Tribe of Love, listening to today's broadcast of Talk Out of School. Bienvenidos a todos. Bienvenidos, mi familia. Welcome, my family. Welcome, WBAI listeners. My name is Daniel Alicea. My pronouns are he and his, and I'm the proud son of Manny and Alma. I welcome you today to another episode of Talk Out of School. I'm coming to you once more from WBAI. Listener-sponsored, locally controlled, non-commercial Pacifica Radio here in New York City. We are on 99.5 FM. This is a Pacifica radio station. We are also being live-streamed via WBAI.org. At Talk Out of School, we focus on the issues affecting public schools and public education here in New York City on a state level, and nationally. If you'd like to listen again later or share today's broadcast with a friend or loved one, it is also available for download as a podcast. First, you can access it online at the WBAI archives. We are also available on Apple and Spotify. We've got another great show for you today. This week, I spoke to parent and education advocates about some of the challenges many families are facing regarding student transportation within the New York City Department of Education. I spoke to two parent advocates from an advocacy organization called Parents to Improve School Transportation New York City, or PIST, NYC, about the DOE's school transportation crisis and especially how it's affecting students with IEPs and their families. I also spoke to Chamel Lawrence, who sits as a member of the Citywide Council for District 75, and also to Paulette Healy, who is the Vice President of the Citywide Council on Special Education. Also with us will be Crystal Covington, an occupational therapist and parent of a New York City IEP student, about how this crisis is affecting our students with IEPs, especially our District 75 students. Well, this week on Tuesday, September 20th, New York City Council's Education Committee held a special oversight hearing on meeting the needs of students with disabilities. It was headed by Council Member Rita Joseph, and it focused on the needs of our IEP students here in New York City. Many issues were addressed, many dealing with especially the lack of compliance around the instructional and related services the DOE often fails to provide our children. Special education supports and services can take place in a variety of settings. Um, some of these services include speech and occupational therapy services to um, the general education, inclusion, and self-contained classrooms, including services and supports provided by what the city calls District 75. The DOE describes District 75 as follows. District 75 provides highly specialized instructional support for students with significant challenges such as autism spectrum disorders, significant cognitive delays, emotional disabilities, sensory impairments, and multiple disabilities. 
Members of the City Council's Education Committee this week queried Department of Education officials and also allowed comment from uh, the public, especially students and their families, and also policy advisors who addressed many of the concerns about uh, the, the needs of students with disabilities and how these are often not met. At this hearing, there was quite a bit of talk centered around student transportation. Now, simply put, student transportation in our public schools is a hot, hot mess. It has been for a long time in this city and continues to be. I'm going to play for you uh, a clip from this oversight hearing that will give us a taste of the chaos and just disarray that student transportation is experiencing within our New York City public schools. Many of our students with IEPs, especially District 75 students, require busing and other means of special transportation. Now, special transportation is one of the many important services or related services that school districts may have to provide as part of a bundle of special education and related services required for students with disability. And so you're about to hear Gail Brewer, who is council member of um, the Upper West Side in Manhattan, and she is speaking to a DOE official about this student transportation crisis. Number two, on the buses. So when I talk to John McCormick, whom I love, he says everything is fine except for the bus. And that's true, I think, across the board. Not that everything is fine, but in a scale of one to ten, the buses are on the bottom. So how many students with disabilities have bus service in place? Um, how many students with disabilities are waiting for mandated bus service to begin? And just to say, the great staff found that 3,449 between the 8th and yesterday, that's September 8th, that many were delayed, which is almost 90% of the buses. So bus is the problem. And so can you just tell me how many have bus service? Um, and then you can just imagine all the other questions. How are we going to improve it? Um, and of course, it impacts education. Let's just start with, do you have the numbers of who has bus service and how many are on the waiting list? Uh, thank you for the question, Councilman Brown. Thank My you. My name is Glenn Risbrook. I'm the Senior Executive Director of the Office of Pupil Transportation. Uh, currently Who are you? Can you speak up a little louder? Oh, didn't hear me? I'm sorry. My name is Glenn Risbrook. I'm the Senior Executive Director of the Office of Pupil Transportation. You have a hard job. A very hard job. Go ahead. But, uh, <laughs> um, currently, we have over 50,000 students that are um, with IAPs that are assigned bus routes. Okay. Um, um, what I'm hearing um, from, from our families is, is very concerning, um, and I take it very seriously. Um, mainly those service issues are a direct result of staffing shortages at the bus companies. Although the shortages this year are not as extreme, but they are significant. Uh, the DOE transports 150,000 students every, every day over 9,000 bus routes. 97% of those bus routes have dedicated drivers. 3% uh, do, not, do not. That is unacceptable. Um, that's a significant number of children. Um, we currently have over 400 drivers, however, uh, in the pipeline in different levels of onboarding. As these drivers are onboarded, uh, the impact that the driver shortages will have um, will dissipate. Um, another thing is that we, we've made some strides, um, and it's been overshadowed pretty much by the problems we're having with the bus companies, but we made some strides with some improvements. Um, 
We, in 2019, um, the call center received on day one uh, complaints, uh, 23,294 complaints on day one. Um, this year, we received 3,350. A great improvement, unacceptable. One complaint, one child without a bus is, is unacceptable. Um, after the first seven days of the beginning of the school year. That's the, uh, those are the numbers I have. Yep, go ahead. All right. Well, <laughs> Um, we had uh, the first uh, week of school in 2019, we received 79,678 complaints. Um, this year, the first seven days of school, and we shortly after that, uh, we received 17,748. 78% uh, decrease in complaints, unacceptable. Unacceptable. Any, any complaint for any student um, is unacceptable. But this is what we, we're, we're doing. Um, we, we're modernizing our legacy applications so we can better uh, communicate, data process, and the routing is becoming more efficient. Um, we, we will be rolling out um, in short term, um, within a few days, via for schools that would allow our families to be able to track in real time the bus routes that their students are on and also uh, be able to track the turn by turn that's happened with the bus companies as long as as well as other well, do they have that GPS because that's the city council yes, law that they, every, they every single parent has a GPS yes well every with their Nixon account every parent will be able to uh, see the bus from beginning through the route was that true now or in the future well that will be in the future when we roll it out actually within the next week or so um, in, the every next, bus in the next had, week or so, you're going, to roll, you're going to roll it out in the next week. You just no. Said. Within the next few days, it should it, it will be rolled out on uh, a pilot program in District 26. And as we, we we work through that to make sure all the kinks are out, we're going to be expanding that out citywide. So during the course of the year, uh, we should be rolling that out citywide. So when will it go citywide? Do you think? Um, as soon as we know exactly if there's any issues with it, um, I will be able to get back to you with that. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of my skis and say when it's going to happen, when we're still working on okay. idiosyncrasies with it. Um, so those are the, the improvements that we're, that we're embarking on. Um, they're overshadowed by what's going on with the, with the driver shortage, and, and, and we take that very seriously. How are you going to deal with the driver shortage? Where are you going to find drivers? We can't find city workers. Have you noticed? Yes, I do notice okay. that. So how are we going to find drivers? Well, you know, at the end of this, I, I was going to ask for um, the council support with that as well. Uh, recommendations, um, ideas. Our bus companies are fighting an uphill battle. Um, some of our bus companies have come to us and said that the MTA is actually going to yellow bus yards in their area recruiting drivers. The MTA is also short drivers as well. Everybody's short. Absolutely. And they have the same credentials as an MTA bus driver, so it's, it's fertile ground for them. Um, and they also compete against Amazon and some of the other companies. So what we have done is partner with the bus companies, give them strategies to onboard drivers, uh, giving them strategies for uh, retention and, and having drivers who once were yellow bus drivers and retired to come back into the system. But we are open to other suggestions, and I, I, I look forward to working with So how, I, I know my time is up, but how do you hold the vendors accountable? And I don't know how many bus companies do you have, that's one question, and then how do you hold them accountable? I understand they don't have drivers. Mm -hmm. We've got to find drivers. Absolutely. But how do you hold them accountable? Because every time a young person is not in school for that morning, their education is compromised. 
And after two years, it's even worse. So. Yes, Councilmember. Particularly, I've had a kid who has special needs. I'm very familiar with this problem. Yes, so Councilmember. How do you deal? How are you holding them accountable? The vendors? first to answer your question, there are over 52 uh, bus companies and, and their affiliates. Okay. Um, we we um, assess what we call liquidated damages for um, everyone else is, is monetary fines. Um, every time a bus route does not perform as re as required, we issue a monetary fine uh, to the bus companies. Now let's hear from some parent advocates about this student transportation crisis. I'm on the line with Sarah Catalanato and Johnny Stevens. They are parent advocates. They're part of an organization called Parents to Improve School Transportation, New York City. Welcome, Sarah. Welcome, Johnny. Hi, thank you. Hi. And I want to thank you for joining us in this space today. If you could help us um, with a kind of just a definition or tell us some of the work that you are doing surrounding student transportation. Okay. Well, there's sort of two parts to it. Um, we are among many parents who, who, and actually school bus workers, um, who we've spoken to who are unsatisfied with the way that this service is handled and the outcome that it has day to day for the for the children. So we um, have found out all we can about the existing rights and we help people with day to day complaints as much as possible. But we're also taking a long term view and that's where the school bus bill of rights campaign comes in um, because the governance of this would be better if the people who really live with it, the stakeholders, um, those on the ground, had a lot more say. And um, so that's the two prongs. It's the it's helping people as much as we can day to day with the existing limited, unacceptable <laughs> rules and rights um, while fighting for those those systems to change and have more prevention instead of putting out little fires here and there while the whole system is, you know, chaotic. And so I know that, especially on Twitter, I've been watching some of the activity um, coming from your advocacy work. Can you tell me a little bit about this, this hashtag, where's my bus? <laughs> okay. Well, um, we don't take credit for that hashtag. It was last fall, a, a few parents who are leaders at different places, I think in the District 75 um, specialized programs, were calling for a day where people should um, call 311. And um, that was the hashtag, where's my bus? But it's the really pivotal question for a lot of families because there's always and and more so now we'll get into the really two strong factors in the driver shortage um, and the uh, Office of People Transportation authorized the companies to double up routes um, where's my bus is because it might be time for when you thought the bus was coming, it might even be time for when you thought your child would be in school or in the cafeteria getting breakfast. 
but there's no bus. Um, we are dealing with kids missing school. We're dealing with parents missing work in order to transport the kids or keep the kids at home if it's not really, um, if there's no accessible way to get that particular student where they need to be. So it's 2022 and, um, you know, the Disability Pride Parade is coming up and we'll be there. But one of the things that they are marking is the anniversary of Willowbrook, which was, you know, a horrible uh, place where youth with different needs were sent instead of being integrated with their peers or being, you know, given every opportunity to develop. And what we have is that some of the same children are still now, decades later, stuck at home, at least here and there, and sometimes for weeks, um, due to this this neglect of a service that should really be considered part and parcel of education, and not just special education, but definitely um it impacts the, that population a lot. And so I would love to hear more about this Bill of Rights that PIST is, is advocating for. But before we do that, as you said, a lot of the transportation needs are, are, are centered around our students with disabilities. I know this week there was a city council oversight hearing that really laid out some of the bigger problems that we're seeing. One of the issues I'm hearing is that these routes are really long routes. Um, you have students with, with disabilities that are sometimes on the bus for two hours. Could you uh, add some comment to that? Yes. Um, unfortunately, that's more common than than you would imagine in your wildest nightmare. In fact, we got a note this morning from a mother with a five-year-old nonverbal child who's three hours each way. So that's almost as long as the school day and possibly less if, you know, if she's like repeating pre-K or has some kind of half-day program. Um, We have that situation, and I'm sure this came up in the hearing, um, which some of our allies attended and We'll be submitting written testimony this time. Um, but the the distance to the school has to do with the fact that those appropriate um, resources for complex combinations of learning needs are not easily provided in the, the neighborhood school or even district. We know a mom with four uh, children and um, she's got to buzz them all for different reasons. And she says, well, that means there should be four more schools or four more, you know, programs um, here in my district, which is in the Bronx. So that's part of why um, the programs are so far flung. And that includes there are some great public school programs. Um, and then some of them are multiplying. but but then there are folks who don't have anything um, adequate on offer in a public school system. And so they do the whole thing. We're going to court and getting another placement or it may be a very 
um, specific school for children with, um, who are blind or deaf. And, um, those are not, you know, on every block. So, and the rent is high in central areas. So they do tend to be, some of these specialized schools tend to be Westchester or Queens almost over to Long Island or, you know, even further. And um, that makes it difficult to make it a short ride, even on the map. But what we've seen and we have um, evidence that this was definitely an executive decision of the Office of Pupil Transportation, um, they've allowed the so-called vendors, these private-owned school bus companies, to merge many schools onto a single route and make it more convenient so that they can maintain their profit margin while keeping the bid low, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we're not for that. We want the priority to be the physical, the neurological, the educational, and the mental health needs of, of these children and their families. So Sarah and Johnny, if you could tell me a little bit, there there are some families still waiting to get placed on a route and it's what a month, almost a month into school. A little bit about that, and and those that aren't are often reimbursed by the city for any transportation that doesn't have to happen. Can you speak a little bit about that? Okay, I'm going to attack that. Um, the The reimbursement is a new phenomenon, and it has an echo to us of when you probably remember uh, Bloomberg was the mayor and all of a sudden Kathy Black from publishing was was the school's chancellor. Remember that? Am I dreaming that? I do. Um, anyway, she, she made a statement in a group of parents in Staten Island saying, you know, why don't y'all just take a cab and we'll reimburse you. And the Citywide Council on Special Education flipped out and we flipped out and we said, you know, everybody can't lay out that money, et cetera, et cetera. There were times they wouldn't even give the family a Metro card to hold them over while they while they worked on this, you know, really um, unfriendly stacks of paperwork that, that have to happen um, when you don't realize that you actually need something from the doctor in order to um, be eligible for your child to be on a special ed route, meaning that there's an attendant helping them up and down the steps and so on. Um, so let's see. Um, this is troubling because it's a cop-out for what they should be doing, which is massively hiring, recruiting, and retaining qualified safety professionals. You know, um, the the ride share is not supervised. The child who needs a bus paraprofessional, that, um, that worker is prohibited from joining the child in this Uber or whatever, and the parent has to do it or somebody designated by the family has to do it. 
And that is also eating into people's situations. So the reimbursement, people wait months and months, may never get it. A lot of people don't know they can get it. The one place where I think reimbursement is going more smoothly uh, would be District 75, you know, um, because those 26,000 or so students have a high um, proportion of people who need transportation to school and back. Um, they've set aside some of their own funds. There's some things that are prepaid, but there's a lot of hoops to hop through. Um, the information changed. The information for the summer came out on like June 29th or something. And only one agency even that we know of, a well-known agency for advocacy for students with disabilities, was told about it by OPT because they asked and pushed and others were not told. So it's it's not a long-term solution and it's not a functional solution in the comprehensive way that, you know, a true fleet of bus, uh, yellow buses would be. And Johnny wants to add something? Uh, yeah, one example was earlier this summer, uh, one of the PISS parents um, actually paid for her uh, child to go to school and got in the cab uh, with the child to go to school. And that fare was $162. <laughs> now, if you have $162, you're already having a nightmare of your child not getting the school safe. And you got to come up with $162 each time. This makes it prohibitive for anyone to really be involved with a program like that. That's this is what we've been faced with uh, uh, dealing with the Office of People Transportation which get billions of dollars every year to run the contract, the school transportation to private buses. You know what? I, I read um, just a recent article. New York One featured a parent that is now back maybe $1,000 um, owed. And uh, in, in a city where our rents are so high and with rising costs, I, I can't even imagine having to wait on that that type of um payment from the department of education as you said johnny um they they get billions of dollars um earmarked towards towards transportation as well so question uh, in, in addition to the long runs or routes that these um students are having to endure on 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 our school buses also, just the fact that a lot of them haven't even been placed on a route. Mm -hmm. I know there's some other issues going on or surrounding student transportation. We heard a lot of this summer about air conditioning and just some other really vile conditions that some of our kids are having to endure on on buses and, and, and dealing also with just other issues surrounding special transportation. Can you um, can you all talk a little bit about what the rights and responsibilities you feel need to be maybe codified into a bill of rights for our students with um, uh, who need student uh, transportation? Sure. Um, so a group of parents um, and advocates had a, had a meeting in May and we reworded um, the latest version of this because it's something that we've had as a concept for our whole existence almost, you know, 10, 11 or 12 years. Um, 
it starts out a decision-making body that reflects the most affected stakeholders can do a better job of attracting workers, improving routes, training, and communication, honoring the physical and neurological needs of the riders, and keeping everyone safe on the bus. So then we have short categories about the following routing, staffing and inclusion, safety and health, in which it addresses what you mentioned. We need safe vehicles with climate control. They should be sustainable with a just transition, training and throwing away the, you know, the mechanics who've given their life to this when it was diesel. Um, no rides more than 90 minutes. And our parents actually want to demand mental health support for families who have suffered unstable busing. Um, before I go down the rest of the list, a short digression. I got two moms who are going to gastroenterologists this month. Their stomach is in, in knots. We don't know yet if it's ulcers, IBS, or what. And it's really, you know, either there's no bus and then you have to spend an hour on the phone being insulted at the OPT line where they say it's in your head or call the company, you know. This is real. It's very dysregulating to the entire family. Um, the other categories we have are communication, uh, ADA, I, you know, the civil rights, access and accommodations, um, accountability, transparency and finance. We want to know we want to follow the money and then governance, which is what I just mentioned, that you need a panel that includes the, the some of the parents who know the educators, bus workers, disability advocates to suggest, approve, and veto policy decisions on pupil transportation. So that's our school bus bill of rights. Yeah, what we want to, um, the steps we want to take um, toward the school bus bill of rights, uh, we want to change the charter that the Board of Ed um, actually have. Uh, of all accounts since the last 13 years that I've been working uh, as, as a school bus advocate, and first my son who were riding um, the school bus uh, with an IEP, I haven't seen things change or haven't seen an involvement uh, of the parents, the advocate, or the school bus workers to any extent. And to do that, you have to uh, change the charter. Uh, and to do that, we want to put it on the ballot so that we can get the public opinion on changing the charter, a uh, referendum um, of some sort that will be voted on. So it could be a people decision, not a decision made by someone like Kathy Black uh, coming in from San Francisco uh, newspaper empire or or um, the Board of Ed uh, feeling to whatever. So that's some of the stuff that we want to do with the School Bus Bill of Rights. We want people to be an actual part of uh, running this, and we know that that could happen. And the people who are most responsible the parent, the advocate, children, and community folks. Um, so that's what we're looking for uh, to happen um, in the upcoming election. Well, I feel a lot of that is also centered around mayoral control of our mm -hmm. schools. Mm -hmm. So if, if yes, a parent... Very, it definitely is, yes. But school busing is a part of mayoral control. 
If if parents, um, families need help, um, want to get involved in some of the advocacy work that you're doing, what what can they do? Well, um, we have all kinds of social media. We have a website where you can subscribe to our newsletters, and I can read off the the email address because that's easy. Um, it's our initials P I S T M I C at gmail.com. Uh, a couple of things we like to make notable is that we are working with the electrical school bus um, workers. We're beginning to coalesce with them because uh, that's a new development coming in. And we're also going uh, tomorrow, Saturday, to the General Assembly uh, at 42nd Street, Jack Hammershaw Plaza, and we're going to give out our leaflet about School Bus Bill of Rights because the United Nations um, Disability Protection Right uh, raised the question of inclusion mm-hmm. uh, and that civil rights and education um, goes hand in hand. And so we're going to go out and um, on December the 2nd, uh, 2022, International World Celebration for Day of People with Disabilities, uh, we're going to be a part and calling for people to join us and being a part of that because everybody rides the bus or need education or needs um, para uh, workers and nurses and so forth all around the world. And we figure that the more that we get it out, the more potential that we have to getting some equality and service for our children and parents here in, in New York. Well, I want to thank you, Sarah and Johnny, so much for bringing awareness to this issue. And I'm hoping that this will be an opportunity for us to elevate and amplify the, the work that you're doing because it's vital and important work. Thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you for the opportunity to get it out for the viewers. Just help. <laughs> okay. And when you say our name, you can say pissed because we are pissed for good reason. And the, the website is pistnyc.org. Correct. Thank you so much. You're listening to Talk Out of School on WBAI New York. I'm on the line with Crystal Covington. She is an occupational therapist within the New York City Department of Education. She also is a parent of a New York City student uh, with an IEP. And so welcome, Crystal, to Talk Out of School. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Crystal, I've gotten to hear parts of a of a story that I want you to tell as to some of the problems your family has experienced with student transportation. And so I'm, I'm going to give you all the time that you need to kind of unravel that for us. Thank you. Thank, first of all, thank you for the time and allowing me to speak. Um, my husband and I, we have two children that attend New York City Public Schools. Our son, um, EJ, has autism and he's six years old. And we have a daughter, uh, Carlisa, who is four years old and she's neurotypical. Um, so Carly goes to school right here with us, not a problem. Our son, EJ, goes to a Horizon program in Springfield Gardens, so he has to be transported. His um, IEP does have accommodations for uh, time spent on the bus. So 
I, we received a phone call from the matron before school started, which was great, September 1st. She, you know, called to confirm our address and if he was attending. And as you stated, I am an occupational therapist within the DOE. And I noticed on the first date of school when students came that I hadn't heard from the matron. So I called her to see, you know, if the bus was coming, what was happening. And she said that there was no driver and I didn't even understand what she meant. <laughs> what do you mean there's no driver? And she explained that she's at where I guess she was like at an office or whatever. She was waiting to receive a driver to do the route. And I said, well, when was I supposed to receive notice that there was no driver? And she, you know, explained that she has no idea. She, you know, it's out of her, you know, expertise for lack of a better word. And so now I'm going to work and trying to figure out how my son is getting to school on the first day. So I call my husband, we're calling the bus company, no one answers, like it doesn't even ring. We call Office of Pupil Transportation, we can't get through. So, and I'm going to be honest um, and vulnerable, I cried. I cried that day because... I wanted my son to go to school and I know how important routine is for a person with autism. So I spoke to my principal and I had to make the decision to take him to school. And that's him in the background. <laughs> so sorry if you hear him. But um, so I left the, the building. I took the day, took him to school and had to pick him up. Now my husband and I have to scramble and figure out how our son is getting to school. Had we not have done that, EJ would have missed multiple days mm -hmm. of school, probably uh, probably about two weeks because he just got busing yesterday. Um, so we filed a complaint with Office of People Transportation. Um, we're emailing, you know, the superintendent of the district. We are in touch with his school, his Principal and assistant principal have been great. They have escalated the case. They've done everything that they could on their end. And we receive a uh, email from the transportation specialist of that district, which is, I believe, District 29. And he said that, you know, they even had trouble getting in touch with the bus company. So if me as a parent, if you as an entity can't get in touch with this company, me as a parent, what am I going to do? Um, finally, we get a phone call this week. E our son EJ started the bus yesterday. Well, we're happy about that. But now he's on the bus for like two hours and in the same borough. So yesterday he got picked up around 7.40. His school starts at 8.20, but he didn't come home till 4.40 in the afternoon yesterday. And today he got picked up at 6.50. And again, a school starts at 8.20 and he came home maybe around 4.15 today. So I still feel like there's a battle to fight. Um, and I'm going to do the best that I can, especially for that par those parents that feel tired and don't and don't have the energy to push, but you know, that's the situation right now. So now we have to fight in regards to how long he spends on a bus. I'm really sorry to hear that you've had to endure that. We're hearing many, many stories, very similar um, as far as students not being placed on routes yet, 
we're what two or three weeks into the school year and right. also these these long routes two hour routes um what were some of the reasons that you heard um every time that you complained about it what were some of the reasons you were getting from the doe as to why it was taking so long well the main reason was that they couldn't get in touch with the bus company that was and that was pretty shocking and i appreciated their honesty but my response was then why are we working with a company that doesn't respond um and even my son's principal was like well when is someone going to go down there to the bus company and see what's going on um so we didn't the bus company never even said that they didn't have a driver let's make that clear the bus company never contacted us except for the matron to confirm that um our son was going to school that was the only contact that we had um and then other than that it was just like you know there's a shortage of drivers there's a shortage of matrons that's the basic reasons that we have which i understood but my issue was as a parent and a professional then that i should have received a phone call or an email some sort of communication ahead of time to say hey we're short on drivers here's a plan that we want to put in place for you and your son are you okay with this that is what i expect especially being an occupational therapist and as a professional and to not e- to not get anything close to that was just unacceptable to me absolutely and so um, you said that you you and your husband were able to make alternate plans were there any uh talks about reimbursement for this transportation yes so the transportation specialist of the district did send me a form for us to fill out and to put whatever um monies that we felt that were out so for example my husband works for the department of motor vehicles in downtown brooklyn so he had to drive our son to school go get to work an hour and a half to two hours later and pay for parking so we're going to include that we're going to include the gas but um also our concern is the time that we had to eat so because i had to go pick up my son well now i'm eating into my personal time and i'm leaving an hour from work to go drop him off i mean excuse me to come pick him up from school so and as anyone that works for the DOE knows if you eat your personal time and you use more time you get docked luckily i haven't get, gotten docked yet but i'm close to already using two days of personal time um because of this busing situation so now is someone going to reimburse me for that time back that i've lost to take care and make sure that my son gets to school and come home safely so that's one of the issues that we have as well well, I, I want to thank you, Crystal. Is there anything you'd like to add? Um, if you could speak to the DOE, those that, that are listening, um, if you could speak to also parents that are also experiencing similar situations, um, what would you say? Well, I would say to the DOE first that honestly, as a parent, we just want communication and we want effective communication, right? If someone had a reach out to us and prepared us for the situation maybe we could have had a better plan in place instead of every day scrambling trying to figure out how our son is going to get to and from school um and i think just that's just the most professional thing that anyone could do and for parents that are still struggling 
I know you're tired because I'm tired, <laughs> but if we don't rally and we don't make sure that our voices are heard, we're not going to receive the services that our children need and deserve. So we have to keep pushing and we have to keep letting people know that the service that you're giving is not appropriate and it's not right. I mean, it's, this is a federal mandate that my son has and he's entitled to that. And it doesn't say on his IEP that he gets busing two weeks later. He's supposed to get busing period. So then, you know, let's work together. Let's come up with a plan. Let's do something, but let's stop the ill communication that has to stop. Well, thank you so much, Crystal, for your time. And uh, I agree. It's, it's illegal. It's immoral. And, um, we definitely need to start amplifying and elevating voices so that it can change. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And also what parents can do, just one last thing, which I was planning on doing, is you can report this to the state. Parents can complain to the state as well that their IEP, the child's IEP is not being followed. Like you have to keep pushing and make sure that your voices are heard. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm on the line with Shamel Lawrence. He is uh, a parent with a child with an IEP, but he also sits on the District 75 President's Council and the Citywide District uh, 75 Council as well. And within his purview is uh, also some student transportation issues. Welcome, Shamel. Well, good evening. Thank you for having me. And so, Shamel, I really want to ask you what you're hearing in, in your capacity um, from parents about the issues dealing with student transportation, especially as they deal with our students uh, in District 75? It's horrible. It's horrible because, you know, um, school started over a week ago. Some kids to today still ain't got busted. Some kids got busing. They being taken to the wrong address. Some buses is coming up, picking up kids after 8 o'clock, getting them to kid school at 8.30, 9 o'clock, some even 10 o'clock. My son, for example, he was one of those kids. Uh, he was reaching school, and he's in uh, what we call our inclusion program. And uh, school starts for him at 8 o'clock. His bus wasn't picking him up to 7.30, and they had three more kids to pick up, which means he wouldn't get to school until after 9. He's about in second, third period in school already. It's uh, a nightmare. Um, parents are, I, I had one parent who lost her job actually because of busting this year. Uh, it's horrible. Uh, you reach out to OPT, DOE, they switch you back to the school and tell you that it's the school for. And I'll be the first one to say it's not the school for. This is strictly OPT and the companies. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. For our kids, they're not doing right by anything. And it's just a mess. It's disgraceful. You know, um, our kids suffer in the pandemic. We school. Now we back in session. They had all some of them get this right. And they ain't even nearly got it right. But I would say that every principal, every school site leader that I have encountered with, they're doing the best that they could. But they are limited to what they could do. 
OP need, OPT need to stop lying, telling parents that it's the school, step up and own responsibility and put more accountability onto these companies. Giving these companies a uh, fine, it doesn't mean nothing because they just pay them off and then they continue doing what they have to do. Or they are blaming on the drivers and the matron and remove them, which they did in my son's case. They took the bus driver off my son, Rob, saying it was her fault. It wasn't her fault. It was because they had a child all the way in Staten Island being picked up coming to a school in Queens, which was very interesting to me because I don't we I thought that we don't do cross boroughs like that. But that's for another conversation. But it's it's this is a nightmare. It's a nightmare as you uh two nights ago on Wednesday as the busing chair I hosted uh, a meeting with city councilwoman um Joseph before her hearing. And we had over a hundred and some participate on there. And there was this, everything was this complaint, complaint, complaint about bus not showing up, bus coming late, you know, kids being on bus too long. I mean, the list could go on and on. It's, 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 it's a nightmare. Well, at the hearing, uh, one DOE official said that the, the complaints are actually down. I'm also hearing there's some reimbursement that's supposed to happen if a parent has to make other arrangements. Um, what can you tell me about reimbursements, what you're hearing about that? I I, I heard of it, and uh, I know our D75 is doing the best they could, but it's out of their hand. It's uh, OPT. Uh, I know people that's paying in for it, and they're saying they not get it. I know I have actually helped families last year um, with this reimbursement, uh, with getting it. Um, Back to that comment about that was made this week at PEP. Shame on whoever said that. I, I was unable to attend it, but I heard about it. And I sent them the recording of my meeting, which was the night before. And I said, where are you guys at? Are you in another country or a third world country? Because it ain't New York City public school buses you're talking about. Complaints is worse this year. Okay. I don't know who they talking to or who they getting the information for, but they not talking to the right parents. They not talking to the right people because busing complaint is definitely at an all time high. I could tell you today, my email right now at 8, 11 PM, I got over 355 emails and it's all related to busing for the different D 75 schools. Oh my. And so if a parent does want to reach out to you and, and need some, some help. How how could they do that? Well, we have um we have an email uh, email. I will share two emails with you uh, here on this platform. Um, the first one is being the bus and committee uh, email, which I will share with you. Uh, it's ccd seventy five bus and committee at gmail dot com. Once again, ccd seventy five busing committee at gmail.com and of course we ask you to cc the council email which is d75 council at schools.nyc.gov once again d75 council at schools.nyc.gov and you know we're here to support um please i have to remind parents of this all the time because sometimes they attack us um, they think that we work for the DOE or OPT. We don't. We're parent leaders. We got kids in the system. We are experiencing everything you experience. We just like you. We just have a heart to advocate for the voice that can't do it for themselves. 
Thank you, Shamel. Thank you. This is an audio message from Paulette Healy. She is vice president of the Citywide Council for Special Education. Her thoughts on this issue. Hi, Daniel. Um, Thank you for having me. So when it comes to the state of student transportation services this year, um, at this week's city council meeting, uh, Director Glenn Brisport of OPT said that the staffing shortages that we're encountering um, is due to the fact that MTA is coming to recruit bus drivers, um, which sounds so outlandish and ridiculous, but believable considering how little we pay um, our bus drivers and our um, our uh, bus coordinators um, to do the job that they do. I mean, think about, you know, what value would we put on an individual who is responsible for driving, you know, a vehicle the size of a building um, full of New York City public school students, whether they're general education or students with disabilities, um, across the dangerous streets of New York City. I mean, it's an immeasurable service that they provide, yet we barely pay our drivers and our bus matrons um, a livable wage. So it is no wonder that we continue seeing this turnover and, you know, the repercussions of not being able to pay our bus drivers um, and bus matrons a a livable wage um, results in the constant turnover and and staffing shortages that we see year after year. Um, We also need to elevate the point that um, the shortages also affect, you know, our sub pairs that are designated medical pairs or transportation pairs because um, that is a constant um, pool of, uh, of employees that are um, that there's constant turnover in. Um, there's always a shortage. And unfortunately, if a child is assigned um, a, a transportation para or a medical para um, and there is no, not one available for that child, that child cannot board that bus, therefore cannot get to school, um, which is a travesty all in itself. Um, and, you know, we, we need to address what we can do not only to retain, you know, the employees that we have, um, but how we can incentivize um, other people to apply for these positions that are so much needed in our special education community. Um, I also want to elevate that, you know, one of the pillars um, that the chancellor put out in terms of the four pillars of his administration um, is attendance. And if we can't get our children to school because they are not being routed, because they're still waiting for a bus para, because um, there is a shortage uh, of bus drivers to man that route, um Attendance should not be something that is held against those children. Um, we understand that, you know, there are scheduling um, restrictions and challenges um, that that are, you know, prevalent when it comes to staying on schedule um, when it comes to our busing uh um, you know, our, uh, the bus drivers and the rats themselves, but, um, you know, children should not have to miss an entire um period of academic, uh, you know, enrichment uh, in order to do so. I mean, we have reports of parents um, saying that their child is leaving seventh period. It's two periods before the the end of school in order to sit on a bus um, and, and wait for a bus driver to, you know, continue their route and then spend two hours on that bus before they can even get home. 
So the way the routing itself is being done is, uh, you know, detrimental to our students with disabilities. And this, this goes across the board, uh, from elementary to middle school to high school. And speaking of our high school students, um, we were already made very aware in the past previous years, you know, how important having student metro cards are for our, um, children in middle school and high school. And unfortunately, you know, what we experienced the previous years in terms of MetroCards not getting to school on time still happened this year as well. As recently as this week, um, I had to help facilitate a middle school um, who was missing 600 uh, MetroCards for their incoming sixth graders. And this middle school is um, 70% of their population. Our families in economic need. So the additional um, cost of having Having to provide, um, uh, you know, a metro, a paid metro card for their child to get back and forth to school was an unnecessary financial burden for these families. And we were able to get resolution. And I do appreciate OPT being very responsive, you know, to our particular request to make sure that we were able to get these as soon as possible. But we're in the third week of of school, and you know, um, that's that. That adds up to a family that's struggling to put um, food on their table. So, um, you know, when we're looking at, you know, um, students with transportation, you know, we, we talk about our students with disabilities quite often, but our general education students are are, you know, um, constituents that rely on this uh, as well, and they need to be considered in the conversation. That's all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Mi Familia, for joining me today on Talk Out of School. Thank you to our parent advocates, Sarah, Johnny, Shamel, and Paulette. This is Daniel Alisea, your co-host at Talk Out of School on WBAI 99.5 FM, New York. I'll be back soon with another episode of Talk Out of School. Remember, Tribe of Love, that love always wins.